a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. All right. Uh, for our regular Zero Limits listeners, uh, we are cracking on with something a little bit different. You know, I spoke about this last season about bringing out some extra content and what we've decided to do with a few other people is uh, put out a panel-style type discussion rather than talk about uh, people's careers and you know what they did and all that type of jazz. We're just going to talk uh, specifically discussional uh, discussional topics uh, regarding you know anything that's to date: uh, police, fireys, ambos, military. Mate, it could be the cricket scores. There was a Crazy cricket score last night, actually, in the Big Bash. Absolutely crazy. Bowled out for 15. Crazy. Um, but and the thing is, I don't even know what we're going to call this. I, I've got no idea. So what I want to do is put this out to the Zero Limits podcast listeners to help us call this something, you know. I know f- for me, come, actually, before I do that, let's uh, introduce the two guys that I've got on today, two ex-cops. So we've got uh, Jason Semple, ex-TOU, and uh, Sean O'Gorman, ex-Queensland uh, Police, which is probably the better police. I'd say. Yeah, uh, Queensland, uh, he, was, he was a cop, uh canine cop, so part of the, the dog unit. So welcome, boys. Uh, how are we doing? Thanks, mate. Thanks for having us, Pleasure to be here. Yeah, and again, you know, this is uh, one of those things I want to, you know, continue on over the next uh, forever is get guys on like yourself and just talk discussional topics and, you know, um, feed out the real information that obviously a lot of people, a lot of civilians or people that don't understand the police, army, et cetera, uh, information that they're not going to get throughout the media that we can give to them. All right. Well, so let's <laughs> let's just let's let's figure it out because this again, as I said, it's going to be more of a you know like Whoopi Goldberg, you know, daytime television. I think Sam looks a little bit like Whoopi Goldberg. He does. <laughs> yeah. I thought we got rid of all the slagging. Uh, <laughs> no, we we got to we got to drive through. We got to keep a little bit. We got to we got to keep a little of it, a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Let's. Uh, the reason why I got you two uh, ex-cops on, especially from two different states, obviously two different, uh, you know, I wouldn't say two different styles of policing, but obviously different um, laws and all that type of jazz. Um, what we want to do is, you know, dive in a little bit deep into the, the police forces and uh, find out, you know, what the current issues are. Obviously, within the last few days, we've had one of the most terrible incidences that's you know, it happened here in Australia with two police officers losing their lives uh, under an ambush of uh, three shooters. So, I reckon we we just quickly start off with um, with this incident. If we can have a quick chat yeah. about this, yeah, mate. I, I um, 
I've had a lot of conversations, obviously, to Queensland Police uh, incident. So I've had a lot of chats with uh, actually guys that were there, um, a couple of the CERT operators, not the guys that were there, but a couple of guys from the other teams. I think overarchingly, they, they handled it exceptionally well. Obviously, three people, they had hides dug out, they had ammunition drops on the property, like it was a proper tactical setup specifically to engage with police and kill them. I think the fact that they only managed to kill two police was probably due to the police officer's professionalism and bravery. Yep. And, mate, there was um, obviously two shot and killed, two that escaped, 16 that mounted a recovery effort to go in and they didn't know their colleagues would, were dead, got their bodies out, got the neighbour's body out who was also killed. And they were general duties, detectives, dog mm. handlers. Like, they weren't tactical police. They didn't have armoured vehicles. They had nothing. They ended up driving in and the neighbour who'd come down to help, he got murdered by those same cretinous fucking filthy individuals. And they took his vehicle, drove in under heavy fire to take, you know, get their colleagues and him out. And I think that just shows the bravery that police show every day. I've been out of it a long time as a SAMS. But the thing that I look at is cops go to work every day with that, you know, we talk flippantly or melodramatically about that possibility of losing your life. But that showed the other day there was a missing person's inquiry. I've done a thousand of them, Sim sort of done a thousand of them. We mm. just walk up to the front door knocking it. No indication of any firearms or violence. No indication of anything. And unfortunately, police have walked into their death. Most people only engage with cops when they get traffic tickets or when life goes to shit. So, you know, some people don't have the greatest thought or the greatest love for police, I guess. But that just highlights to me how violent and dangerous that job could be at any minute. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, the what you know? What I want to highlight, obviously, I don't want to highlight you know the incident or what happened because you know obviously this is going to take weeks for it to be investigated mm. and the homicide yeah. and all those people up there now finding out what's happening and I'll leave it to the professionals and you know you guys as well you know leave it to the professionals to figure out what what happened, but I want to talk about basically you know with, within the police um, within that structure that you know all the incident that happened you know. <sighs> Looking at these officers that are injured and obviously the ones that have passed away, how does the police look after them? You know, moving down the track. Yeah, that's a that's a good um, that's a good question, Maddie. The um, and I, you know, if only you know, we were talking about it earlier this morning. There's, um, you know, there is literally once you're if you're in the in an organisation still, um, there is a certain level of, um, you know. Um, you know, care and access you can, uh, you know, you can, or care you can get access to, right? Whether it's psych- psychological, you know, through their, um, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists, or um, you know, even just through the the organic support mechanisms through, um, you know, other fellow cops. You mm. know, the the the, the policing um, community is a worldwide fraternity, same as the military. Um, you know, so you would have seen this week. Police from all over the world being really deeply affected by this, um, and then every they all want to contribute back in. They all want to. How do I get in contact with this person? You know, like especially those surviving cops from that incident, and 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 say, hey, you did a fantastic job, um, and you've got our support. You know what I mean? Literally, it's like you'd have, you'd have thousands of cops, um, yeah. you know, wanting to like even sort of ha- have discussions with them and and give them support. So you know. There's there's a lot of support there. When it comes to um, you know, especially ex, you know, so police veterans, so ones that have sort of um, you know, they've been damaged and moved off. There is 
very little support. There's a lot of there's all pretty much organisational abandonment of those individuals. Um, you know, I, I worked with obviously New South Wales Police and, and then the Feds. Um, and when you walk away with diagnosed um, illnesses like PTSD, and Sean's Sean's another um, example as well with really chronic PTSD to the point where he was nearly he was suicidal. Um, he had to figure that out by himself, and 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 so do I. And, and you know, you look at Comcare for the Feds. Um, they they do more psychological damage um, to people than they're supposed to be there as a support mechanism, but they're actually adding to the burden. You know, mm. so without going down that rabbit hole too much, you know, it's, it's a great question, mate. Because realistically, um, to a large extent, um, especially ex police, you're on your own. Um, we don't have a DVA that's um, functioning in any capacity. We're not having royal commissions into the suicides, which, which are occurring chronically. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's like um, – what, What's the reason for this, though? Like, obviously, what, you know, why does the military have all this support and structure, uh, you know, pre- while you're in and obviously while you're out? You know, why hasn't the police jumped on board and done anything like this? Mate, I think it's simple, right? I think there's two reasons. One, you've got a whole lot of different jurisdictions and different state organisations and then one federal organisation. So you've got, you know, how many states in Australia, seven or eight or whatever, so you've probably got eight policing organisations. There's no governing body. There's no one central source of funding. And then the other part, I think, from a military perspective, obviously it's one organisation makes it easier. But equally, I think people in the community generally look at soldiers that have gone overseas to fight for our country as heroes, and I absolutely agree. I couldn't agree more. I do a lot of work in military now around, you know, resilience, mental health, leadership, and fantastic. Some of the best humans I've met are in the military. Policing, because I think we see cops every day as we move around our communities, they are a reminder. It's that old sheepdog analogy, right? The police are a reminder of that's evils out there. So there's two things. People either don't really want to think about policing because it, it, it you know, heightens their vulnerability to crime, and second of all, cops, unfortunately, don't turn up at your house and knock on the door and say, hey, you're doing a great job. How's life? So people only interact with police at the worst times of their life. So I think that gives them a perspective on cops that is less probably romanticised than military. So like I look at, I look at um, in the last four or five years, I've been you know, reasonably heavily involved in the military community and more so as time goes on. And it's really, we're all the same personalities, mm. you know, talking to, to you, Matty, or whoever. Cops, soldiers, we're all very, very similar personalities. But I think in a lot of ways, because it's a domestic policing function, because you're not leaving to go overseas to Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, wherever you're going, that seems to be a lot more difficult in people's minds, I believe. And it's a lot easier to clinically go, oh, that's a bad thing that happens over there. So when they come back here, we should look after them. And I think they're all sort of contributing factors but the main one is there's just not one governing body that can have that happen for cops. It, it surely it's something they can establish, though. Mate, hundred percent. There's there's a group in um, Victoria called Police Veterans Victoria, and they're trying to stand up a national police veterans association. It's a private charity. There's um, quite a few like Blue Hope up here. Andrew Ayres runs that. Is yeah. a detective sergeant, good mate of mine, absolute champion. Um, Mark Kelly's a psychologist that's that's also involved in Blue Hope. There's Fordham Australia, which is uh, from the Soldier On um, camp, if you like, that was 
uh, founded and established through proceeds of crime th- underneath um, Peter Dutton when he was Home Affairs Minister. There's a lot of these sort of veteran groups and whatever similar to military, but they're all operating independently. And I think similar to the military veteran space, there's too many cracks for people to fall down. And there's two, I don't want to go on for 20 minutes, but there's two very quick things. Like I left the cops in 2001. The, the situation had come through and went to psychologists, et cetera, went to an independent medical examination, and the psychiatrist was there for work cover. His job was to end the claim. I didn't realise that. He said to me, you should be back at work. There's nothing wrong with you because his job is to get me back on the road, finish the insurance claim because that external insurer being work cover or EML in New South Wales or Comcare for federals, federal cops, they want to limit their financial exposure so when he told me that, I didn't realise I was there for an independent medical exam. I didn't know anyone had been through the process, so I left. I was like, fuck, I am a coward. It's exactly what I thought. I've got no ticker. I've been, I'm too soft. So I just resigned, went down a two- or three-year rabbit hole of cocaine, eckies, and drinking too much and being self-destructive mm. until I, you know, the last 17 years on this personal development kick on my own dollar, out of my own pocket, hugely financially disadvantaged. Um, disadvantaged from the fact of didn't take money when I left the cops, didn't do anything, to have to get myself out of the hole, which has been great because it's put me into the business I'm in now. But that's where I think military has a big, big advantage over police. Mm. And police, similar to soldiers, are very are quite insulated people, don't want to show weakness. So reaching out for help is unlikely. So they're more likely to have damaged relationships, divorce, suicide, alcohol abuse, etc. So it's you yeah. very much are, as Sam said, you're on your own. Yeah. It yeah. Made, look, what I want to do is just break it down. Obviously, again, two police officers just lost their lives. Uh, you know, for a fact, you know, if it was, uh, you know, the boys from Afghanistan or Iraq, you know, a few of my mates, whatever, the guys that have passed away, again, they're looked at, the family's looked after for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a, quite a, you know, handsome, you know, payout figure, obviously insurance and uh, you know you looked after throughout DVA same thing if you're injured so you know for example um, let's just uh, I'm literally lo- looking at the New South Wales police um, uh, role for deaths um, you know the first death actually here says 26th of August 1803 constable Joseph mm-hmm. Lugard assaulted and stabbed by offenders now, if this was a modern day thing, what would he be covered for? Like, he's he's just died. What, what type of pension is paid out to the family, or you know, what's given? What's the next step? There is a um, there is a death benefit payment. Uh, I actually I don't know the figures, but I have a uh, very good friend of mine. I spent some time with her son. She's a former police officer. Her husband was a cop killed in a motorcycle accident. I know for a fact that. Their support, you know, they get a payout figure or whatever, and then it's pretty much off you go. That's the end of it. So there's no ongoing. So you support. just get that one, one, you know, say, yep, correct, you know, five hundred grand, and that's it. Fuck off. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's probably around that figure, I would guess. Then you've got um, police legacy, similar to legacy for yeah. military. They pick up schooling, so they pay schooling for the kids. But that's not a um, that's a charity organisation essentially. Yeah. And then from the police department, mate, that's pretty much it. And the police associations get involved as well. And, you know, to be honest with you, um, the public are a major contributor here. Oh, 100%. Like, um, you, know, they'll, they'll, you know, I saw Ian Levers who spoke just 
like exceptionally this week. Like I, I you know, some of the some of the commentary from Ian Levers from the Queensland Police Union were like just epic. Like um, t- I tip my hat to Ian; is is a good fella. And but you know um, what he, what he does in the background, and you know they've got the GoFundMe, and you know they've got these avenues for the for the public. The public are absolutely generous beyond your wildest dreams. You know, um, and, and you know if any of the public are listening and they're thinking about sort of contributing to the the funds from these officers this week, um, you know, please continue to do so. But um, that the funds that come out of that are actually really important. Um, but the, the that the, the government shouldn't be relying on those. You know, no, that should be no, a exactly little bit right. gravy for these families mm-hmm. that have lost. Like you, you just, we all know what's involved in loss. We're, the three of us have lost mates on, on duty and. In military operations, so we, we know what that what that looks like for um, those left behind. Um, yeah, the yeah more needs to be done, and a consolidated effort across the country needs to be a, a police veterans um, portfolio that's mm. run federally, and it's got a member of, of parliament that's been given that portfolio. Exactly the same as Department of Veterans Affairs. Yeah, same as DBA. And the yeah. the other issue is. Um, Something I hadn't even considered until yesterday. I got a message from a um, military veteran and they said, hey, someone I know, they said, look, we want to start a GoFundMe page for the two surviving officers that were, you know, under the heavy gunfire. I said, oh, yeah, no worries. And and this person was like, what do you reckon? And I said, so why do you want to do that? And they were like, well, because they're going to get covered from work cover for injuries or rehab, but they're not going to have any of the extra access to funds that are div- like a veteran would through DVA for psychosocial things for whatever it might be, things that are more lifestyle-based more than clinical intervention. And I thought, fuck me, Dad, I've never thought of that for yeah. surviving police. Yeah. Man, I'm 52 years of age. My dad was a cop. I've been around this organisation for five decades. I'd never considered it because we are so indoctrinated as police officers to do a lot with nothing yeah, and then to you know, almost look at, police officers' lives is quite cheap in the sense of I just don't think the public in general has that same sort of focus on police deaths as we do military and by no means bagging military operators, I think it's, you know, anybody that serves their country signs on the dotted line to put their life on the line to protect us deserves to be, you know, looked after. And from a police officer's point of view, you get to a point where, like, the reason I'm helping out this young guy that I am, he's 12 now, I've been helping him out for four or five years, was because him and his mum were pretty much in the wilderness of going, there wasn't a lot of his friends from the police doing too much engaging with them, not criticising anyone, just facts. He was battling with some suicidal stuff at seven. I found out through a friend of mine who was a mutual friend and went and helped him out. Um, Similar to, like, and I'm not trying to fucking big note myself at all, but similar to I'm driving out after we finish this podcast to Chinchilla, and just catch up with a handful of cops that a mate of mine is out there who knows. No one's paying me. I'm just doing it because I know that some of that critical incident intervention from my experience in shooting, in a shooting I was in other critical incidents, and from pl- plenty of other police I speak to, doesn't really get the cut through from them because it's not from the mouth of someone that they understand has walked that talk. So, mate, I'm going out there, pay for my own accommodation, driving out there, doing whatever. Like, it's not a fucking big deal by any means. But because I know that... I can probably have a bigger impact based on history than, you know, maybe psychologists and that can. 
And to me, it's that sort of those sort of even that sort of function needs to be formalized in some respect where, you know, police officers have more of an access to that veteran community of police that I think military does far better that we don't. Yeah. Again, I just want to go back to obviously we spoke about, you know, what you'd get if you were obviously killed in action. Moving on to an injury, obviously those other two officers, you know, one officer was shot in the leg, et cetera. Again, I'm sure you guys, you guys are going through the, these things right now in regards to injuries. What do you get if you, let's, you're injured on the job? What, what what is the process and what do you get? What what type of support does ongoing as well? Is there, is there any ongoing? Again, looking at the defence, you lose your leg in Afghanistan. You're going to be looked after the rest of your life. They're going to give you a fucking new bionic leg, and they're going to give you this. They're going to give you that. You're obviously going to get your gold gold card, which is you know thousand bucks plus a week. Yeah, I mean. Like I'll step in on that one, having um, had a few considerable um, or significant injuries. Just a couple. In my career. Just a couple, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so, you know, I, I, like amongst a litany of other injuries and and, and Sean, um, no doubt you had, you know, plenty of injuries just day to day, especially being a super active, um, you know, part of the policing, being in, in the doggies, jumping fences and just on the go all the time, um, chasing a fur missile. Um the um, you know broken leg, broken back, um, severed um, tendons in my hand from breaching, stabbed. Um, you know they're just a couple off the top, off the off the bat. So I think I end up doing about four different hospitalizations, or maybe even six. You know where there was surgery required for injuries. Um, so New South Wales and the Feds. I you know I had those occurrences. Um, the actual injury side of it you know um they were really good actually you know you got all the medical care that you would probably similar to if you hurt yourself on the weekend and you went down to um you know any of the local hospitals um obviously there's no there's no cost to me for those those injuries um so at the time and especially when um if it's like a high profile event you you really the I suppose the level of care is probably um, more focused, but um, the problem isn't around the initial part. You know, um, it's 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 all the enduring um, legacy aspects of some of those injuries. Like now, you know, as I'm sitting here, my I've got steel, you know, titanium in my leg, you know, um, and I can feel it sort of aching. I just have to deal with those things every day. Um, but if you ever you know, sort of want to sort of come back into, you know what, this is really starting to cause me a bit of grief. Um, can I get a specialist to look at this? Um, then there's this this massive back and forward fight for me to get that access, yeah. you know, to the point where half the time you just go, fuck it, I'll just go and do this off my own dollar. Um, or And same recently, what I say recently, um, in the last few years, you know, I had a period of time where I'd sort of stepped away from going to the psychiatrist and psychologist, right? Um, and, you know, because I'd been doing my own, you know, I had a lot of tools provided to me um, psych- from whether psychiatrists and psychologists over the years, some some force-fed, some where I've actually reached out and said, hey, you know, starting to come off the rails a little bit. Um, can I, and it's just, for me, um, my greatest psychologists are like Sean, yourself, and my mate. So the, the one thing I always tell people, um, you know, monitor how you're going. If you start to get, if you're at home and you're, you're having all these nuances where you're maybe blowing up at the kids over 
the real little things and you start finding yourself getting that angry, angry, angry. Um, go talk to your mates about it, and then if you need to, you can escalate it further. Um, but when I when I tried to re-engage, um, you know, through the insurer, which was Comcare, they basically said, "Well, why do you need to go to the? Why do you need to go there? You don't need to go there. You haven't been there for like uh, eighteen months or two years." And you go, "Are you fucking serious? Your answer should be, oh, are you okay? Like, what can and we when, do? Let's let's, yeah, let's, let's expedite like this. 100%. Let's expedite this because the the downside is." If you and I haven't got the, the tenancy, um, but m- most people don't until it, it tips over the cliff um, for us for suicidal. But imagine if I was like suicidal and then I made contact and I said, um, I, I really want to go, which is a for guys like us, it's a pretty big step to go, Hey, mm. uh, can I go? I just need to go and you know, talk to someone. And they say, Well, why do you need to do that? And you please, you have to prove why you need to. The next thing you know, I just fucking delete the email and down tools, and then potentially go off and and um, tap myself because I, I add, adding to the the burdens that created me wanting to go and get some help. They've just added to it by saying that I'm not worth the help, yeah, and I'm not yeah. worth the 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 effort, and you should justify it. Um, so all the psych access I have now is um, ironically through DVA because of all my. Mm-hmm deployments with the military um you know as of a course, police officer yeah, yeah. Like in in the military context and solomon's and uh, over in timor and, and afghanistan so um and have, have you found it, that process with dva like it's it's well, i've got a white card um which is you know um I, you know so grateful for but i've actually brought it up in meeting going here's my dva white card um i just find it shocking that um you know the general cops c- cannot access yeah, no, the absolutely. same sort of mechanism. Um, so I just I turn up to my my appointments, um, and I'm not going every week. It's like I see the psych, psych once every six months, and you know if I need to, I can see a psychologist. But um, and and it's just seamless, you know. So I know there's been issues um, with DVA. Um, I, I probably haven't gone deep enough into it to sort of um, see any of those issues. But for all of my exposure to date, it's just been pretty pragmatic and um, painless. Yeah, definitely. And obviously you're one of the lucky ones that has that access to DVA yeah. uh, through your police service. And, you know, there's thousands of cops that just don't, they've never had that chance. And the thing is like with, with the government, there's no shortage of money to set up something. Mm. There is, we, we're too busy giving fucking $200 million to the Ukraine or, you know, Indonesia yeah. giving them a billion dollars for fuck knows what. Surely there's something that can be done. And and it's, well, it's, it's well, not the, just the police, is it? This is, we're talking ambos, fireys, uh, SES. They're all, they're all very similar, right? SES is terrible because they're not even paid, right? Yeah. And I've done some work with them recently um, and, like, just some amazing people dedicate their time and whatever. The the issue with the work cover thing, and I can only speak to Queensland, I think EML in New South Wales is similar, like for if you're a police officer like me, like for instance, I went through the process, pulled out of it early because I didn't understand it, thought I was a coward, left. For me to have tried to re-engage in a work cover scenario when I'm out of the police and out of employment is almost fucking impossible. I never even bothered. So I would have spent tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars on my own recovery. And I'm not whinging about that, but I look at it and think, well, what's the percentage of soldiers that end up in combat, Matt? Do you know? It's oh, of- fuck. To be honest, I think 
No, mate, this is probably something I should try and research to find yeah. out. Yeah, I thought it might be a couple of percent. I don't know, a couple of percent. It's, but, it's yeah. So, but but regardless, and this isn't a criticism of military. I want to be super clear. But I go, every police officer starts on the beat. Every police officer is going to have engaged in significant violence. Doesn't matter who you are. Exactly. And so we have DVA for military, which is fucking amazing. If you have gone through Kapuka and done, you know, whatever training you did there and then, you know, went to a unit where you were intel-based or, you know, something where you weren't necessarily then engaging in any violence, then you have this amazing mechanism to help you recover from your military service, which mm. you should. I go, police officers go to work every day. Like that um, that young police officer, Bree, who's one of the, the ones that survived that shooting out of the four, Randall and Bree, she's been in the police nine weeks. Yeah. She's come out of a training academy of six months into the police for nine weeks. Now, if she was to resign from the police, not do, not go medical and fit, not go through work cover, let's say she was really challenged by what's happened, she might, you know, and I don't, this, this is a fairy tale. I've never spoken to her, so this is not a representation of her situation. But let's just say she was like, holy shit, that's, so, that's overwhelming. I can't deal with it anymore. I'm just going to resign and leave. Then she's on her own. That's that fucked. is fucking it. That's fucked. So she's nine weeks in the police, is hunted by these fucking cretins for a period of time, and as we said, we don't want to get into the details of it, and then will have significant psychological impact, can't not have. If she resigned today, then there is no, there is actually no mechanism for the police service to look after her, even if they want to. There's no mechanism because she's no, she's no longer a serving member of the police. So it's not like they can just keep paying her. Or, or write her a check for half a million bucks or whatever. It's then an insurance claim from work cover, similar to if someone rear-ended my car. It's an insurance claim. And you have to prove fault. You have to prove impact. You have to prove damage. And then that's meted out on a percentage basis on whether they think, you know, what some independent assessor decides that insurance claim is. So the issue for a police officer in that sense is they, as, as Sim said earlier, you one of the biggest impacts is the organisational isolation and loss of identity when you leave the police and you feel like you're on your own. I had a fucking hatred for the police for a number of years out of the cops. I had a handful of my mates that were still cops, but police car would drive down the street representing the police service and I'd be like, you fucking, I was so angry. And it was because I felt abandoned after 30, you know, I only did 30 years in the cops. It wasn't, you know, people do a lot longer than that, but I did it pretty full on because I loved it. And I look back now and just think, Fuck me, dead. Look, I, I was involved in a shooting in the valley that we talked to when I was on your podcast, mm, Matty. Mm. They shot at us dozens and dozens of times, killed themselves in front of us. It was a um, not as severe as that job at Chinchilla, but it was up there. And certainly the most violent thing I'd encountered. There was 24 rounds on the police vehicle in front of me. I was second in the pursuit, and then I was the only one on foot who chased them, on, chased them down the mall. I never had a psychologist speak to me about that. There wasn't a debrief. There was nothing that the police department did in that. Now, that was 1994, so it was a long time ago. The issue for me with these police in Chinchilla, as an example, is every man and his dog will have been out there, you know, with marching bands and dancing girls and everything this week. I would suggest, and it's why I'm going out there today, is I would suggest come Saturday and happen Monday night, most of that will have left town. And then they will be on their own in many ways, they'll have access to a police psychologist, a HSO. They're not normally treating. They normally refer. So then they're going to be referred externally to psychologists, which is some are fantastic. There's one, Mark Kelly, I talked about at Blue Hope. 
you can't get into for three months. He's 90, 95% of his clients are police. He does an amazing job. There's a number of other psychologists I know like that that are fantastic. But a police officer will then go, let's say it's one of these two surviving police or one of the 16 who went in there. One of the individuals I'm going to catch up with when I go out there today and tomorrow is an individual that actually um, retrieved the body of Rachel McCrow. And she was a friend of this individual's and apparently this guy's doing it pretty tough, which yeah, no one should be fucking surprised by. But these people will have access to um, police psychologists and different things, and that's awesome. But in a lot of ways, they've got to go into most of these psychology appointments and explain what police do mm. before they even talk about the impact. No, and exactly. I found back when I did it, and that was 20 years ago, a couple of people I spoke to, they were more interested in the war stories in many ways than they were about the impact because they just didn't understand it and it was interesting to them, which I get. So I was constantly going over and over and over it. The advantage for me when I speak to police all the time, and Sam's would be absolutely the same, is I can go and sit with these people this afternoon and go, listen, you don't have to tell me a fucking thing about this job because I know what the impact will be. I've been in similar situations. I've done it often enough and I've spoken enough police to know these are things going to impact you. Boom, 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 boom. These are things to look out for. What I'm hoping to do is um, the friend of mine's organising an unofficial group of people with their partners, hopefully, of the police who are involved to be able to go, and there's a partner, this is what you need to look at. Now, I don't know that the police, Queensland police haven't done that. I don't know they haven't. On history, I would say they probably haven't. Now, I could be wrong. I'm not criticising them at all. The reason I'm packing up and doing it on my own is because then I know it's fucking done. Yeah. And, you know... And I'm really challenged to do it, to be honest, and I'm challenged to talk about it on the podcast because I don't want to sound like some fucking cockhead who's trying to pump himself up as being a hero to help people, right? But equally at the same time, I'm like, well, if I don't go and help them, is someone else doing it? Maybe there's 10, maybe I get out there and nobody wants to talk to me because there's fucking 50 people that are helping them. I don't know. Yeah. But there's no centralized organization that ensures that occurs, that they can access people like Semps or I or you, Matty, somebody, you know, people that have been in fucking violent situations and can talk to where they go, you know, as weird as it might seem, not everybody might love me and think I'm a great bloke. I oh, know you boys would disagree, but they might not. <laughs> so there might be people who go, I don't like him, but I really want to talk to her, this yeah, this woman or this or this guy. But there's no mechanism for people to access them, people yeah. like us or psychologists that are specifically, you know, trained in that, in policing, or to get a group of people together, something else. Um, I'm running and, and I was going to talk to you this, to this, I think I might have mentioned to you, Maddie, and, Late February, March, I'm going to run a two-hour workshop on stress and resilience yeah, in, um, yeah. at Crumman RSL. And I had someone reach out to me and say, we'll give you the RSL 350 seats. I'm like, done. It'll be a $10 or $20 donation for cops or soldiers serving or former you know, veterans to come with their partners. Because I'm just looking around going, fuck me, Dad. I'm sick of seeing the level of stress and the, the high attrition rate in policing agencies around the country at the moment. They can't recruit people. There's a fucking massive culture issue for police officers at the moment. And I go, you know what? I'm going to put on a two-hour presentation for free, as in I won't make any money from it. And people can donate to a charity, probably Blue Hope, and then let's see what the impact is. And if the impact's good enough that I'm like, fuck, let's dig in and start running these around the country. Let's work out how we get them sponsored. I'll you know, do it for free. I don't give a fuck. But we shouldn't need to be doing that. It should be something that's government-funded on a federal level and a state level. Well, you, so people you get should support. be doing it, but it... You should be doing it, but it should be, like you said, it should be captured through through a mechanism. You know, here's here's and the funded. network and funded. Yeah, so you, you, you know, um, 
I know you keep saying you're not pumping your tyres up or anything, um, Sean, but you know, and Matty, you know, you know Sog um, really well. He's out there authentically, mm. um, you know, gives a lot of his own time for, for these these activities, you know. So, um, and, I, and I know, like, to be honest with you, I've bounced off, off Sog because he's gone such deep dive into, um, you know, how the how how we process, how we behave, um, you know, between Sog and a few other key guys, they're my go-to as well. I'll just ring them going, dude. Um, or they might sort of detect Samson's been really quiet or, you know, um, and just ring up out of the blue and go, hey, you all right, cunt? And I go, you know what? Fucking struggling at the moment, man. Like, it might be a couple mm-hmm. of key things like this week that that incident really triggered a lot of people. So it would have triggered everyone in Australia who's got a heart. Mate, it did. But if, but it, and mm. if you're a, if you're a service oriented, so military, um, any of the first responder groups, um, it's a, an extra trigger. If you're QPS, it's a huge trigger. Like anyone that's worn a, a police uniform, it's 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 like it's like a family member has just been injured or killed and it's and mm. and the and the just pure fucking evil around this one um you know maddie you and i were talking on really late tuesday night i was having a couple of whiskeys and you know i think we're all everyone was waiting for that that um ongoing siege to sort of resolve before we could actually even go to sleep that night yeah it's like um, yeah i know you know you and i were talking again i'm not i can't go to sleep until i know through mm. some whatever mechanism that this is now resolved, and there's no further cops at risk. Because how are you supposed to lay in your pillow, knowing that those fucking exceptional dudes from Cert um, are out on the ground? You're like, you know, putting themselves in a fucking like, as we know now, a very well established ambush um, set up with, um, you know, obviously, you know, there's a, there's a few aspects to it that probably aren't in, out in the public um, arena. You know how how well planned that was in terms of what they were trying mm. to do to kill some cops. So, um, yeah, I, I like so yeah, it's it's uh, you know. But if we go to um, you know what Sean was saying before about that, um, you know, having access to to people that know, like Sean, yes, you know, did a, a little catch up with um, with a patrol group up in Brisbane on Are You Okay Day. So, you know, that was organised a couple of months before and say, hey, we'd really like you to come out and just, we just want to tap into your, and it was off, um, I think it was they, one of the one of the sergeants there had listened to a podcast with Gary Jubelin. And the same things happened off your podcast, Maddie, from a couple of weeks ago, just all these people reaching mm. out saying, oh, they just want to talk. Yeah. yeah. They wanted some insight. They want some, what, what, what was your game plan? And, and like we were saying last podcast, you know, initially I was Helen Keller in the dark room trying to figure my way out. Um, so it's an opportunity for us to sort of give them that way out without them having to do Helen Keller around and find their own way and make all Absolutely. the mistakes and all the, um, you know, destructive behaviours that can come in. Um, and one of the, the, I suppose, the main ethos from that that RUAK Day presentation, which, um, and there was a police psychologist there from QPS, which I, I thought was really, really positive, that, that she was on the ground there and listening to the presentation she was nodding her head the whole way through. Had Dan Cooper with me as well, um, and and it was and it was it was a like every, any presentation like that is like yeah we get exposed to some fucked up and horrendous stuff, 
and then but um, you got two you got two avenues you can go as a result of it, and and, and it's and it's Sean's ethos as as well as all of us in his um, catch up. We want to push him down that that learned optimism pathway. So you and personal got, responsibility you, pathway, yeah, yeah. Yep. and you got to process it properly. But um, you can go down here and be um, like it, it sounds really. Um, blunt, but it's like you can go down here and feel sorry for yourself. You have to have a little bit of feeling sorry for yourself, but the it, it, it needs to be in that positive um, that way where you sort of process. Okay, I've survived this. Um, it's fucked, and um, life life is pretty fucked, right? Farmers farmers lose their properties through floods and fires. They roll their fucking tractor and lose a leg. No one gives a fuck about those those people. Um, but they they've got no choice. You just put one foot in front of the other and keep moving on. Um, and it's not not as simple as that, but it's like here's a couple of mechanisms. Here, here's here's what I did. I had my trusted people I could always go to and and tell them how I was feeling and and not hold back. You know, Mate, um, can, can I cut in on you for one second? There's something you said then that I think is really important. When you look at the police officers, and we use that chinchilla example, you know, the sixteen, the four cops that went to a job, they was a missing persons job, which is walk up and knock on the door, very standard SOP. Come under heavy fire. Two of them obviously get hit. Two others run to cover. One of them risks their life to get back to the vehicle to call in the radio, get shot, gets in the vehicle, gets out under heavy fire. Other one's stuck in there for a period of time. 16 other police turn up from all over that region. And Chinchilla is an extremely small town. Yeah. If there's 20 cops there, I'll be, I'd stand on my head. So there's not a lot of policing there. Toowoomba's about an hour and a half or two hours away. I know there was two dog handlers from Toowoomba went from Toowoomba to to um, you know, Chinchilla or Wine where it was, I can guarantee if they didn't break a land speed record, I'm not fucking sitting here. Every other cop, traffic, I was watching stuff in the news, traffic branch police, all sorts of police have turned up there. Then they've decided on mass 16 of them to go into fucking gunfire mm. to rescue their, their mates. That level of courage, and they would have been fucking terrified. And something most people don't understand is courage is feeling that fear and doing it anyway. Courage isn't the absence of fear. And this is very much, I think, the attitude that we need to be instilling in our police officers and soldiers to look after yourself post your careers because there isn't a lot. And the three of us morons on here talking today, some federal politician, I'm sure Anthony Albanese is not going to ring me this afternoon and go, fuck, Sean, you're a genius. How do we set this up? <laughs> now, hopefully we can have an impact. That'd be awesome. But I doubt he's going to call me and go, hey, listen, you tell me what to do and I'll give you fucking a billion dollars to set it up. Yeah. So the message that really needs to come out of this for police is have the same fucking courage and bravery to kick the door down on your own fucking mental health and do what needs to be done as you do to go and rescue your mates when they're in danger. Same as soldiers. We've all done it. We've all been the recipient of it. We've been under, you know, whatever it is. I've been in fucking so many fights as a one-out dog handler working on my own. I'd go to a job on my own and there'd be a brawl, domestics or whatever, and I wouldn't take the dog in because it's, you know, it's another thing to manage. And then I'd call for assistance and there'd be four other cops turn up and, you know, all I've got to do is hang on and as I hear those sirens coming. And very much that's the same fucking mentality we need to have our police do. When I go out there this afternoon tomorrow, this will be my message, very lovingly and caringly. But I say, you're going to have to fucking fight your own fight because the issue for police officers and soldiers is we leave a job where we sign on the line knowing we could get hurt and or killed. Then when we get injured, 
mentally or emotionally, which wasn't what we expected, then many of us, and I did this for a period of time, absolutely, throw our hands up and become a victim of it. So I think absolutely there needs to be lobbying to get an organisation like DVA for police. But in the meantime, we need to empower cops, wanky as a word as that is, to have some fucking bravery and some courage to kick down doors and get what they need from people like me, Sam's, you, Maddie, from this podcast, from my podcast, from fucking every other human being on the planet that's walked in the shoes we've all walked in. Because I think that's one of the big issues. We treat these people then with kid gloves and we don't respond well to that. If I think Semps is struggling or he thinks I am, I don't ring him and go, oh, hey, buddy, are you okay, mate? Like, I'm really a little bit yeah. worried. I go, can't, what's wrong with you? Fucking, I've sent you four messages, you haven't texted me. Are you good? What's going on? Are you fucking struggling? And he'll go, no, I'm good. I go, you sure, cunt? When was the last time you thought about topping yourself? And he'll go, oh, yeah, actually, it might be a bit tough, you know, whatever. So we need to understand that we are a particular community of individuals, police officers, and as our soldiers, the normal way we deal with mental health or these impacts in the society doesn't work for our fucking communities, I don't think. No, no you're right there. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how would a, how would a, you know, you can have all the, you can be a psychologist who went to uni, studied, studied all the aspects of psychology. So you, you know, all the textbook, know, um, yeah, all the textbook side yeah. of things and all the, um, you know, you're now diagnosed with XYZ, you know, you got that covered. But like understanding our psyche, that's, that's another thing. So if that psychologist isn't embedded with GDs or embedded with police special operations groups, they're never really going to understand um, the mentality uh, and the requirements on people. I mean, um, I've said this before. I had an argument with a psychologist when I was with the Fed. So I'd come back from overseas and we we, we, we have to see the psych. Oh, I can't. I think it got down every 12 weeks or something. It was, you know, and basically um, it always come down to, oh, you're drinking too much coffee minimize your coffee because um a lot of the lot of the guys didn't want to deep dive into anything because they didn't have the they didn't feel that who they were talking to would understand what they were sort of um and they don't have the organizational trust they don't trust yeah. the organization to know their deepest deeper secrets yeah um you know and i had i had an argument with with a not a not a um disrespectful one. it was just like we we're having a discussion and i said well you're not you know she she asked me a question she goes oh you know, say this afternoon you go, if you you know, and I've had a 7-Eleven across the road from where I was living at the time. And she goes, okay, so say you went across the road and something happened there. And I go, you know, I'm, I sneak over there once once, once every, all the kids are in bed and go get my my family pack of mint mint sliced biscuits and um, get tubby, you know, watching UFC or something. Well, you're in a you're in a bulking uh, phase for the last yeah bulking phase the whole pack and you yeah, weren't watching you were you weren't watching the UFC mate let's get real it's no problem. yeah yeah, yeah. you're watching Frozen love actually watching love Frozen actually. that's what you were doing the um but she said oh what what happens if you what would you do if you know uh, um you know and I said well okay every time I go over there I, I actually think to myself fuck I hope someone comes in here and tries to bung on her or something right. And she goes, 100%. "What? Well, that's not very. Um, that's not. That's very unhealthy." And I go, "Well, no, it's not." And this is with her not understanding our psyche, mm-hmm. right? And I said, "Well, it's like um, I said. Um, of course, you don't want to visualize things to the point where you're twenty four seven hyper vigilant, right? But 
you still need to visualize, okay, I walked into the 7-Eleven. What would I do if someone came in there now with a sawn off 22? Absolutely. Right. You know, or they came in with a, a machete. And, go, um, and, I'm, and, and she goes, well, you, you haven't got your weapon. And I go, no, but there's... It's 7-Eleven, there's cans of dog food, there's all sorts of yep, shit you can use. As a, um, as a, yeah, yeah. Ice creams, yeah. Ice creams. That one. <laughs> um, <laughs> you throw, throw your, throw your uh, mint slices at them. Um, but, you know, there's there's a – so she goes, she just couldn't get her head around it. She goes, that's an unhealthy way to think. I goes, no, it's not because if anyone in my unit is not thinking that way, exactly. they probably shouldn't be there. Exactly. Because yeah, that I'm visualising what I'm going to do if something happens. I don't want it to happen. But I, I, I want to know what I'm going to be able to do when it does. Anyway, she said, oh, that's um, – she goes, that type of visualisation, you know, hypervigilance is really unhealthy. And I said, yeah, you've got to be careful with that hypervigilance. Um, but I'm not I'm not walking away from it stressed. I'm just giving myself a mental pathway that when it does happen, I, I can act. Um, and, and anyway, so we had the, the – the argument went down the line of – I said, you, you really aren't um, – you know, um, you don't really have the um, background t- to know whether that's healthy or not. And she goes, what are you talking about? I'm a psychiatrist. And I said, or psychologist. And I said, yeah, but have you ever worked in my unit? Do you understand what it means, mm. where my brain needs to be? So because we are going to come across those scenarios. We are going to get told to go and deal with those scenarios. So h- how can you tell me that it's unhealthy for me to sort of visualise my way in? Um in the end, she she um, she actually capitulated and just said, "Yeah, I, I, I get your point, and it's a, and it's a quite a good point in terms of understanding how that psyche needs to." Um, and then, you know, if you take that point in this podcast, like probably the next thing you that's probably worth talking about is training. No, we'll definitely move on to that. Yep, we'll, yep. So, we'll definitely you know whether will. whether you the probably the the good um, you know slide in there is so. What we're just talking about, you know, whether it was that are you okay day presentation or what Sean does day to day, that needs to be done day one at the academy. And Absolutely. it's not, it's not, it's not fear mongering. It's, it's, no. it's, you're out on, on the stage and you get rid of all the, um, you know, academy staff um, that aren't relevant, you know, um, and, and it's, you're in there, you've got to be very careful who you put in front of people. It needs to be people who are positive, forward thinking and, Handsome. And looking to enhance, not to to um, do the fear mongering, but say, hey, you know, I was you, and in this room, there is likely someone that's may may or may not get killed, or at least be very seriously injured or um, involved in critical events um, that are specific to police being injured and um, or, or killed. You know, it's 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 a it's the nature of the job, military or, or police, as Sean said before. But um, then, really breaking it down, you go. This is what this is my this is my pathway. These are all the mistakes I made, and this is where we finally got to. And as we're saying to you, Maddie, in the last podcast, um, I, when I got stabbed and laying on the street dying, mm. I gravitated to um, mm. what I'd read from Mick Drury. You know, the mm. night before, but if. That should have been delivered at the academy mm. by Mick Drury, you know exactly. So, that, so you can you can tap into it. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's it's almost like subliminal, you know, messaging. You know, with uh, you know, well, if you were to have those type of people talk about it as a fresh young police officer or digger or amber or firing, mate, they've got one of the problems I've got at the police at the moment. I was talking to a district officer, superintendent, 
he said that they have, and I don't know how large a number, but a significant number of police who get on the street from the academy two weeks into their career and quit because they didn't know it was going to be that violent. Yeah, like, yeah. So I'm like, what the actual fuck yeah. are we teaching our police officers? And I just, look, I've, I was told and I've confirmed this with a couple of different sources that Victoria Police at the moment have given away all of their hand-to-hand unarmed combat training. They don't do any hands-on training. It's now all video-based and they hit a boxing bag with a baton. And I've got a very good authority from someone who's in the know that that was because too many people were being triggered in the physical training. Now I'm like, I don't want to sound like an old white guy because, and that's what I am, but I'm like, fuck me dead. When I was at the academy, there was a bloke called Billy Turner was a sergeant there. He was a big Scottish dude, a monster, had a really high-pitched voice. He was an ex-Scottish wrestler and he would fucking bash us and not in a sense of being injured, but he would grab you and pin you and like so when you're wrestling and learn how to handcuff and fight, and if you gave up, he hurt you. Because he's like, if you give up on the fucking street, you will die. So it scared me. Like I was a 19-year-old kid. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is fucking serious. But I was like, oh, well, that's what I signed up to do. And look, by no means was, nor am I now, a particularly brave or courageous human being. I was terrified just about every police job I went to. But luckily I'd been conditioned in that academy setting to know what violence was going to look like. I think a lot of police training, and I can only speak to Queensland where I have some reasonably good knowledge, we're training police at the moment in, you know, tactical communication and that, and that's absolutely fantastic. Like, I, I've, I'm not a let's go and bash everyone old school cop. That's not my opinion. But at times there will be offenders, as de- demonstrated in an extreme sense on Monday night, who don't give a fuck about any communication. I mean, you know, we won't go into details, but there's 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 particular. Um, evidence-based body cam footage of things these offenders said to police officers as they were dying. That just shows they didn't give a fuck. Now, the only thing that stands between them and society is good men and women that are willing to do violence. Exactly. And I don't feel we're preparing a police for that because, like, I had the, the fortune of having a father who was a police officer and a fucking lunatic. So I would grew up on hearing about violence. So it wasn't a surprise to me that police you know, could come across violence. I sought it out in the sense of I went to every job I could where there was violence to back up the my mates because I wanted the more numbers, the better. And I just fear, you know, and we see all the videos on, whether it's from the States or Australia here these days with, you know, cops trying to fight offenders and the skill base just isn't there. And I no. think we are way too focused on other things at the moment for police officers so that we they don't seem too militarised and they don't seem too aggressive to the general public. When no one else is coming, and you know, cert showed that, and the many of the boys that cert up here, special military response team, I'm good friends with, fucking champion group of, of men. The minute they turned into the driveway of that residence, they were under heavy and sustained gunfire the entire time until they managed to engage those suspects and kill them. Now I don't know how long that was, but I know it wasn't a short period of time. So they drove; they literally turned off the street into the gate. And there were rounds impacting their vehicles and they drove forward under heavy fire and continued in the fight until they eliminated the threats. Now, fuck me dead. The th- big fear I have out of this at the moment is copycats because that's often what happens in these Yeah, scenarios. exactly. 
exactly. Um, what I want to highlight when it, when it comes to training, you know, there's obviously a, a difference between a Queensland cop and a New South Wales cop. The difference, you know, the difference I see is that, you know, the, the incident we've just seen is Cert rocked up and fucking got straight into it. They didn't give a fuck. And, you know, looking at the incident as well, you talk about those 16 police officers, there's talk, you know, obviously this is all to come out, but they were told to stand down and not go in and retrieve these guys. And that there's a sergeant that's just gone, fuck it, we're going in, we're getting these people. So Wouldn't be at all sur- I've heard that, mate. I would not be at all surprised if that's the case. Exactly. So we'll wait for that to come out. We don't want to speculate anything. But, you know, if that's the case, then, you know, the, I just see there's a difference because there's a, a it looks like there's, you know, even throughout the media, there's a lot more shootings in Queensland. And I wouldn't say bad shoot, they're, they're good shoots because, you know, sure. someone's come up to them with a fucking knife and the cops going, you know what, don't bring a fucking you know, knife to a gunfight, you're going to get fucking shot. Whereas New South Wales, they, they kind of stand back. And Victoria's the same, they stand back, they stand back and bring the, get the batons out when someone's got a knife at them and there's a little bit less shooting. Does this come back to New South Wales not paying their recruits. Now, you're getting a different standard of, you know, Semps, you can jump in, mate. Obviously, you'd be getting a different standard of human being wanting to become a police officer because the only person that can afford to become a police officer is that 19-year-old kid that has no responsibilities. He's got a phone bill and, you know, he's got to pay rego on his car, whereas in Queensland, you can get, you know, the little-life experience, you know, 30-year-old that wants to join the cops and get in. So is there a difference between the, you know, the – style of policing that's coming through Queensland and New South Wales and, you know, around Australia? Yeah, 100%. The, um, I mean, you know, keeping things on a positive, you know, um, some fantastic, like amazing cops coming through. Um, but, like, as, as soon as you as soon as soon you introduce something where um, you don't get paid to be at the academy and then on top of that, you, and that's six and, months yeah, worth of training too. Like it's yeah, so it's, and a hex it's, an, it's an it's an endurance activity not paid. Um, and then you you end up with the debt as well because there's a um, university hex aspect debt. to it. So hex yep. debt. Um, yeah, you, you're still going to access some some good humans, but you're going to miss out on a lot of really good humans exactly. as well because you know when I went through, you were paid. You know, so if someone's doing if someone's been a um, a really you know, amazing, a female nurse, uh, a male nurse, uh, a chippy electrician who's just gone, they got to a certain point in their career, but they've always had this itch they wanted to be in the cops. They go, you know what, I'm going to do it. And, and, they're, and they're 29, 32, lots of lived experience, dealing with humans all the time. They, they've got a lot of um, mature, mature um, you know, aspects to them um, because, you know, I said it on the last podcast, Maddie, when you're a lot of, like when I was in my early twenties, I, I, I almost cringe at how emotionally unintelligent <laughs> you were because you, you, you sort of it's incremental um, learnings, right? Of course, and exposures. Um, you know, so if you miss out on these amazing people, um, because like how how are they going to down tools? And you know, they've got kids um, and they and they say to their wife, oh, "I would really like to do this," and we go, "Well, we can't because you, how are you going to pay the bills?" Exactly. So you miss you miss those. And the same, it might be someone coming in from the military. Awesome, he's he's had a military career. I'm going to go continue my service in the community and join the police. And then it's like, oh, yeah. By the way, you won't get paid to train, and you'll get a debt. And they go, "Well, fuck that." And they and then they they still wanted to do it, um, but there's it's it sort of makes it. Um, there's very, another barrier. Uh, There's another barrier to entry, right? Yeah. You know, so 
I, if we go back, like, and in, in moving away from the incident this week, because yeah. um, I, yeah. I, I, I don't want any of the commentary around what I'm about to say have any, I'm going to compartmentalise it over here because, um, yeah, I just I don't want any of that sort of leeching back as, or is, are you referring to that comment referring back to this week? Because But, yeah, just, 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 just quickly on that, in, in regards to that incident, there is not yeah. a single fucking police officer that's coming on a train right now that is to deal with a fucking ambush. You know, there's only a fucking handful of people like TRU or fucking, you know, uh, someone that's been in the cops for 30 years or uh, the military. That is fucking it. You, you don't get taught how to deal with an ambush. So yeah, that's totally. And, 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 well, well, mate, I'll give you, you, you a visit. You would have seen it too, Matty, where some people, there's been a little bit of criticism. It's not criticism like direct. Those A lot of those people have been absolutely dominated by the public. Exactly. If, anyway, but they've come in and gone, oh, you know, someone's run and hid. They go, no, they didn't. There is a ambush. Ran to in, get there is an ambush in play, um, and uh, as you know, Maddie, better than anyone in this podcast, um, like because you you were trained to set up ambush. Yeah. The, the ambush is, um, you know, a true ambush is almost not survivable if it's if it's done really effectively. And the number one thing in an ambush is to get off the X. Exactly. And the they did that. Yeah. Um, and I'm just absolutely blown away. That, they did um, fucking some, exceptionally well. That a nine-week, someone nine yeah. weeks out of the academy, um, you know, sh- she's used some of her um, reptilian brain to to do what she's she's done. It's, it would have been under the most uh, stress you could ever be under. Uh, and she's getting, they were, they were hunting her. And then somehow she's managed to use smoke or whatever to get to a safer position and these fuckheads... Um, you know, couldn't get to it, which is fucking so good. But, you know, so um, anyone that's criticising any of that is got mm. fucking rock that's in it. It's- yeah. And Sam's also had the presence of mind to be fucking giving intel back through Triple O on a mobile phone, had a body camera running the whole time, gathering evidence, probably thinking that was going to be used for her death and keep enough presence of mind to be able to fucking survive. And yep. what, what you said before about training, Matty, I think absolutely. I don't think... And I'm a Queensland cop, and don't get me wrong, like, I'm not like, oh, no, I don't want people to think Queensland's the most violent. Like, I don't give a fuck. I think it just goes in waves, and I think Victoria... It does go in waves, 100%. Yeah, 20 years ago, Victoria went through a whole lot of of shooting armed robbers and a whole lot of... There was a whole group, a family, probably 30 years ago, actually. And there was always the jokes. Queensland police always used to joke and go, Queensland's got a shoot, don't shoot policy. Victoria's got a shoot, shoot policy. It's, you know, that was always the way we used to joke about it. New South Wales, like, it definitely goes through waves. And I think one and this, you know, who knows whether this is accurate. I think one of the problems in Queensland at the moment, I know cert at the – I had dinner with um, four, like, three mates of mine. One of them is a cert guy the other night. And um, he was just saying, he goes, mate, I have never – so I started in the dog squad in 1992 when cert mm. was stood up. And I did a lot of the work with – I never did selection, but I did a lot of work with them. and. Uh, Mate, there was a whole lot of hurry up and wait for those boys back then. They wouldn't deploy them because it was too scary a, a thing. Now, they, he said, he goes, mate, we are flat out getting a couple of hours at the range without getting called up to go to, called off to go to jobs. They're doing jobs back to back to back constantly because of the level of violence in society and the level of firearms. I think potentially Queensland, um, like every other career or, you know, whatever, and if every other vocation, 
people like good weather and a sea change. So grubs and fucking criminals and organised crime like the same thing. So I think there's a lot of them have moved out of Victoria and New South Wales in recent mm. times, probably to the Gold yeah. Coast. Yeah. So that might be where there's a lot more violence with drops up here. But it goes in waves. I kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. The and it's 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 completely separate to the to law enforcement. It's got it's it's society. Um, those those waves and um ebbs and flows in society and you're 100 on the money sean because we, we used to scratch our head when i was in the tou and go man what the victoria just seems to have ah yeah just must be just full of um fucking offenders and and bad guys um or people are they just had a different you know because wherever you live around the country there's there's different sort of society cultural like here on the gold coast everyone's always in holiday mode mate. everyone's super relaxed you know, shirts off, beach. It's pretty chilled. I mean, there's there's an under there is a dark side here as well. But then you've got, um, yeah, and and it changes. You know, so then New South Wales would go through. Fuck, what's going on down there at the moment? And it's society, not the cops. Mm. The cops have to just react to it. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of it's it's there's a few nuances there that are probably outside of my uh, area of expertise. But um, if you want to go back to um, you know that the the training in general, even though we probably don't have time. Matt, yeah, and- yeah. Before we, uh, yeah, before we carry on, we're going to cut. Yeah. It, we're going to cut it there. Can I ten yep. ten seconds, mate? Yeah, mate. Yep. Go. I've recently gone to the range. I'm going to the states in January to shoot pistols and that again. Haven't been for years. I went there the first day with a bloke teaching, like doing to get a pistol license. I shot fifty rounds. He goes, mate, you've just done double the amount of training that every cop does. Yeah, so that, that, yeah, that's definitely something we're going to fucking touch on because it's hundred percent. You know, for, again, just quickly for us at the military, mate, we plant that many fucking ammo trees because we got sick of fucking shooting. Mm. You know what I mean? So uh, nonstop. Yeah. Um, but fuck, boys, this is uh, this has been good. As I said, we want to try and keep this within that one hour time limit, just yeah, to uh, you know keep things uh, interesting. And I know for us army boys, and the army boys are listening, they'll start to lose a bit of interest after about the thirty minutes because they get distracted by a fly or something. <laughs> so. yeah. Don't worry, mate. Cops are the same. <laughs> yeah. me, me, myself, and Sean are uh, very great ADHD. Um, so yeah, we're probably self-diagnosed. Li- mate, I guarantee you, you walk off in a minute for a coffee. <laughs> Simpson and I weren't talking about ourselves. We would have lost interest fucking ages ago. <laughs> but, hey, Maddie, before you tune, before you turn off, so if you're, you know, I suppose. You know, depending on what, what you know, what you're interested in, sort of covering off on, and and then your viewers, like, um, you know, if, uh, another catch up maybe on on the training, yep. um, both in the, in mindset and and skills, no, um, definitely, and it, uh, probably a couple of key points to leave you with. You know, um, policing in Australia is focused on like recertification model of training rather than skills enhancement, mm. um, and and as we said in the last podcast, the the manner in which um, policing is now, the expectations on the police, the, the, the training hasn't kept up with the expectations on them. So, um, you know, I, I, to a large degree, the policing model is broken and it needs to be, it needs to change. Unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever you want to look at it, fortunately for the police and and the community, if you spend the extra money and maybe increase police numbers across the board, you'd have to do it by about 25% mm. as a minimum, which will allow the buffer so that people can get, um, they can be moved aside for like decent and skills enhancement training regularly during the year. 
and then come back and say, because at the moment everyone's just flogged operationally and you can get a lot of experience in operations, but you get a lot of skills degradation yeah. as well. So, you know, when we come back, mate, it'll be, um, yeah. you know, really good to talk about get right into the weeds there. No, exactly. And, uh, you know, we hope everyone that's listening has uh, enjoyed this uh, this chat. Now, if you want to get in contact with uh, Jace and uh, Sean for Jace, you can head to his Instagram, semps.338. Otherwise, LinkedIn is another professional way. Uh, for Sean, same thing, at the Strong Life Project on Instagram and yep. uh, obviously on LinkedIn as well. Just search their names and they'll pop up. If you want to listen to their podcast that we, we did with them back uh, a while ago, Sean was actually back episode 43. It's a while back now. That's 30-plus episodes still the, ago. Still the most popular one, mate. Is it? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Hasn't even been listened to. I think it must yeah, be. There's, there's, there's three viewers. <laughs> must be just your mum. That was it. <laughs> and uh, Sam's was episode 75. If you want to get on listen to the life of uh, Sam's, because he did have one uh, one thing that he did say. I've got to, fuck, I actually should have went back through and had a listen to it about you know, don't you know? If you're going into one of the smaller situations, expect it to be the biggest situation type 100%. thing. So, uh, yeah. just, just when you least expect it, that's ex- when you get bitten exactly. The so, you know, for all the cops out there listening, Highway Patrol, if you're awake, mate, you know. well, that, mate I've, I've, I've said for years, like everybody hates traffic cops, right? But I look at them and go, that is probably one of the most dangerous jobs in the police oh, because you're walking up on vehicles every fucking day, and, what and everyone's angry. Use, and what's it? What a criminal used to get around in yeah. vehicles. Yeah. And that's the police officers. Something for the, the soldiers or the public. And I promise this is my last comment. Go and talk to cops if you see them, because the only people that talk to police are people who whinge, or people who are a pain in the ass. Yeah. Because decent members of society want to thank police for what they do. Don't walk up to them because all cops look angry as fucking like they don't want to talk to anyone. And the smallest thing I had coffee with two dog handlers um, the day after the the incident up here. And um, three different lots of people walked up to us at the cafe. I walked up to them at the cafe. They're in uniform and said, oh, thank you so much for your service. I really appreciate it. Mm. And the boys were really touched by it. And they said, mate, we came here for, for coffee. Yes, Actually, it was two days after because they'd come the day before. And they said, we came here yesterday. And they said, no, 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 your coffees are paid for. Someone's left 50 bucks here to pay for any police officer's coffees today. And it meant the world to them. Mm. And that, to me, is a big step in us bring us as the community where none of us are serving now. Us as the community bringing police into the fold where they feel like they're valued, because I believe ninety percent of society really care about police officers and the military. Mate. Without the without the police, mate, we're nothing. It, and it's just the vocal minority of fucking shitbags who want to bag cops and so yeah. That and that's most decent people are the 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 silent majority, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And obviously, there is a couple of douchebag cops out there. So pull your oh, heads, of course there are. Pull your, pull like your heads in, in everything, your muppets. Mate. Yeah, there's one less since Sims. <laughs> Put a smile on your face. <laughs> yeah, what, since Sims left, there's one less to get. <laughs> All right, boys. Let's uh, let's let's carry on next week and uh, keep keep Good rolling. Brother. And just Love for the it. listeners, you know, we're gonna. This is not going to be just police. It's going to be army. Uh, we're going to get some fireys on. We get some uh, ambos. You'll SCS. have to wake the fireys up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. all sleeping. You have to do it during the day, mate, because at night they're all sleeping. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, we'll see you next Thanks, time, Maddie. Cheers. Thanks, Sam's. Thanks, Maddie. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However. Lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner 
pour over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, a few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, you've got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our bio, you see that discount code, use it get your discounts. So again, jump on to 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.